Hey, I think we're doing wow. the thing. I think we're doing the thing. I think this is the thing. Yeah. The thing is live. All right. Well, we're doing a thing. Yay, we're doing a thing. So welcome to our podcast thing. That doesn't have a name yet. <laughs> we're still working on that, but... Details, details, fine little details. Yeah. It's not what we title it. We don't identify ourselves like that. How dare you think that you can assume our title? Don't assume my demographic, homie. Don't assume <laughs> my demographic. <laughs> so yeah. So I'm Nancy. I'm Corey. This is a thing. This is a thing. A thing that we are doing. We've been this talking about it for a little while now. We have been. And we finally decided to put it in the fuck it bucket and do it. And so here we are to talk about random things that we've discovered over the last couple of weeks that we just want to talk a little bit about. Maybe yes. some of you out there want to listen. We don't know. We'll find out, won't we? And that's the beauty of the internet. <laughs> Put whatever we want on it. Some people might like it. People might hate it. Either way, they found people will, it. Yeah. And just to put that out there to begin with on all of this, we are not talking about Avengers. Not today. Because well, somebody hasn't seen it yet. I will by the end of tomorrow. Forgive me. <laughs> I do have things. You are an adult with responsibilities, and it's understandable. I was able to see it. I kind of lucked out, but I did have to go see it at one of those sit-down restaurant movie places. So it wasn't as just pure movie as I would have liked, because we had those servers running around asking if we wanted food and all that other stuff. So I didn't get the... I had a couple interruptions I had to deal with, but it was either that or not see it. I chose that. Probably a good choice. I, however, have reclining seats with little personal tables. I got to sit in a computer chair very similar to one of the ones in your house. So <laughs> well, you adapt and overcome, I suppose. Modern problems require modern solutions. Well, at least you got to see it before I did. Yes! So I have to wait to talk about all the emotions and thoughts and feelings I have for said movie. But that doesn't mean we can't talk about things that have happened because of the movie. Like what? Like that guy that got beat up in Hong Kong for uh, shouting spoilers after the movie. You so. Know, I heard about that. <laughs> so he saw the movie before a group coming in, right? Yes. So he, so there was like a group of people waiting outside to, you know, go in to see the movie. And he must have seen like the crop beforehand. And then he just started like yelling out spoilers, you know, as soon as he started walking out. So people got mad and they kicked his ass. <laughs> you know, I guess I, I, I understand I'm being mad. Maybe you not know, going that far. 
But here's the thing, is that this movie is like 10, 11 years in the making. It's a culmination of a lot of different things, and especially with how Infinity War ended, and then you have, you know, Black Panther, Captain Marvel. Like, there's there's a lot that's gone into this movie, and I know I did my absolute best to not spoil it for myself so much that, like, I was, like, on an internet hiatus, kind of. I was, I was trying to stay as blind as possible. So if I were there and ready to go, and it was, like, you know, moments before walking into the theater, and then someone who saw it before me, like, came out, yeah, I might actually throw a couple fisticuffs. Not even gonna lie. Because that's a lot of emotion that I felt, like, even... When I went to go see it, there was a lot of emotions that, like, I was dealing with. Of like, you know, this is the end of, you know, the end of like a chapter of my life. Really. So, <laughs> I've looked at it. Yeah, the MCU is a closing of the first half of my adult life. Iron Man came out. I was eighteen, maybe nineteen years old when Iron Man came out. I was so that entire first decade of my adult life post high school is the MC, was was dominated box office wise by the MCU. So this closing of the final chapter and people are taking it seriously. I understand, you know, fisticuffs for for spoilers personally. I haven't seen the movie. I've seen spoilers. I've heard spoilers. But I'm the kind of person that doesn't care. Right. And I, I'm very much of the mindset of I try to go in as blind as possible. And like, because I'm, I'm an experienced moviegoer. So like, I like to be taken on the whole journey from beginning to end, not having to worry about where a certain spoiler like comes into play. Or, you know, like, I like to be as like blindsided and taking in the movie as like, purely as, you know, all the people that worked on it wanted me to. And that also makes me, like, less of a movie critic, because I just, like, I enjoy the rides that movies take me on, even if they're bad. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of movies that I like that people are just like, why? <laughs> One in particular comes to mind, but we'll save that for another time of discussion, because I recently rewatched that one, and have some thoughts on what I saw upon my rewatch. Ah, yes. We, we were having a discussion about this, and we will have a different discussion. We'll, we'll save that for a, another time. Um, yeah, so moving on from Avengers move in, in movies, let's talk about another kind of media thing coming. This one interested me. What you got? So a couple days ago it passed. It was the 30th anniversary of the first airing of one of my favorite shows, Dragon Ball Z. Yay! And Yay. to coincide with this, back in... I'm going to say it was March. End of March. Maybe beginning of March. Funimation released a link where they were going to be bringing out a 30th anniversary collector's box set. 3,000 people needed to sign up on their website to even possibly make this a thing and the biggest thing about this is it's supposed it is remastered 
and re-released on Blu-ray in the original aspect ratio of 4.3. Oh, wow. So they're really bringing it back. Let's... I, I have some criticisms. I do. Like how most TVs don't run at a 4.3 aspect ratio anymore? You know, it's not even that, because you can compensate. <laughs> it puts... You see, the thing with this is this. A 4.3 aspect ratio on a modern widescreen TV is going to just be a box. It's a box on your screen. Yeah. A rather you have large two box. black bars on the side. You're going to have black bars on all sides, top and bottom. It's going to be a box. Like you're watching standard def on your HD TV. Oh, okay. And I'm fine with that because this show is 30 years old. That's how it was originally presented. So it preserves, you know, the most picture quality, I would say. You don't have a stretched image or graininess or any of that like you did when Funimation released the series on DVD for the first time and on television where they just took that 4x3 aspect ratio and cropped the top off and stretched it to 16x9. So then you end up with thick Goku. <laughs> so... My criticism of this is that from the images that Funimation has released of this, and I've I sent you this. I think you've got a link for this, and I'll share some links out on, on social media for people to take a look at for this one. But if you go around and look at the still images side by side, you can actually just see, and this is just on your computer monitor. I don't even have to blow them up. You can see the differences night and day. Whoa between the original 4.3 and what they're calling their remaster. The one with the little bit dark, the darker panel mm -hmm. is your original master. The lighter panel is their remaster. So the brightness they've done to it, and some it of the other filters and stuff they've done in. to it, you can see some, Getting down to a nitpicky part, you can actually see pieces of the lines are blurred if you really get there. But what they did was they took that 16 by 9 aspect ratio that they used when they cropped the original 4.3 and cropped it, that ratio, that, that stretch, back to 4.3. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can, I can see that. It looks pinker, too. Like one of these images that I'm looking at. Uh, well, Funimation's... Pink boy. A lot of Funimation stuff is um, tinted different colors. Um, their most recent release of the Broly Blu-ray right now is tinted green. Oh, wonderful. So maybe now they were just in a uh, rose-colored glass look back on all the nostalgia. You know, everything maybe. has a pinkish hue. But what, you know, this isn't even what really bugs me about all of this, because I can even understand doing it that way if that's what they have access to. What really bugs you then? The fact that they're charging $350 for this. Yeah, that's so, a really high ticket price. Like, I understand get, that there's a lot. You do get some other stuff with it. You get a full color figure Goku. It's 11 inches. Only exclusive to this collection. An art book that's just going to have images from the anime in it, redrawn and put in this book, a nice collectible box, and a certificate of authenticity numbered for your one of 6,000 copies. As of right now, as we are speaking, they've got 2,527 2, out of 6,000. And they've got seven days left before it's 
comes out. But I'll I will say, yeah, yeah, 350 is a little much. I can, the most I think something like this, I would probably personally spend my money on as a more casual Dragon Ball fan. I guess that's the best way to describe myself. Um, maybe $150. And I think that would probably be enough for me. And I understand that there's a lot of content that Dragon Ball's put out over the past 30 years. <laughs> and it's nice you get the statue. But like with the art book and everything, like it would be different if it was like art book with like pages you could remove out that became posters. I don't think that's going to be the case. It's really just going to be like a almost like a family photo album that you only bring out when guests show up. <laughs> I feel like this is made for the person that collects merchandise just to collect the merchandise. Because it's limited edition, that's their market. They're marketing the person that I want to have this limited edition set because it's going to gain in value in 30 years. It's not. It's Wait for a better release. Because the catch to all of this is this is only exclusive to the United States. Toei Animation, the actual, you know, rights holders and original errors and the ones who pay Akira Toriyama for his, you know, work to do on the manga to make the show a you know, into it. Um, they haven't announced anything to do with the 30th anniversary of Dragon Ball Z. They haven't announced a collection. They haven't announced a new show. And just wait for them to make an announcement. See what they release. If you have to import it and it ends up costing the same, trust me, it's going to be better quality. It'll be more worth it because it's coming from a, a primary source. And, like, not to say that. Animation isn't because it's primary for United States technically because they're what we watch the entire the entire you know tournament of power saga on. <laughs> like, no, I understand. On Crunchyroll. Shameless plug. We use Crunchyroll. <laughs> hey Crunchyroll, if you wanna wanna throw a sponsorship our way, we will like, we will rep your product all day. Yeah, like my DMs are open. <laughs> It's a little suggestive, don't you think? You gotta play hard to get. I like money. Maybe that's just my heritage. <laughs> Needless to say, the biggest difference between what Toei would bring fun to make Toei holds original masters of these shows. In one way or another, they have original footage, though a lot of them were destroyed, as was practiced for a lot of places taken point. Classic Doctor Who series shows from 40, almost 50 years ago still that have been lost to time because the BBC re-recorded over them. Same thing happens in Japan. Toei re-recorded over them. So you have to also rely on, you know, recorded home video footage of these masters, or of these original airings, for them to help remaster some of these footages. And that's why they, you know, remove that grain that's in there that they were talking about with their enhancement, which I'll let everyone make their own opinion. Personal recommendation is don't buy it. <laughs> I don't really have $350, just like, lying around for Dragon Ball box set, unfortunately. I mean, I did, but I bought a Switch instead. Yeah, I love my Switch, but I also got mine at launch. So your yours is a 
wee bit nicer than my, my Gen 1 Switch. <laughs> hey, speaking of Switch, you want to talk about some Switch games? Let's talk about some Switch games. All right. Nintendo Labo. Yeah, Labo. I know they're doing the uh, Breath of the Wild in Labo, which will be interesting. So Nintendo has released... For those not in the know, Nintendo Labo is a kit you buy that you put together with cardboard boxes to play with your Switch in. Make little RC cars, and little boxing sets, things like that. The newest the one they're bringing one, out. And the piano is pretty cool, though. The piano is okay, really I've... cool. <laughs> but Labo is now cardboard VR. Why is Google not getting money from Nintendo? I was going to say Google Cardboard, right? It's like... <laughs> So, the idea is... They just took it literally. I guess so. (laughs) The idea is you fold the box together to make the classes. You slide your console inside, and you get VR. Streams streams the images through two sides. Apparently, the console kind of recognizes what it's in there with certain games. Those certain games, other than the pack-in with the toy, with the uh, Labo being Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild and Super Mario Odyssey. I think Breath of the Wild, like, so I've, I've got two thoughts. My, my, first, my first thought is really, I think this is just uh, Japan's way of getting Americans into origami. But because paper's too delicate for our, like, destructive hands, they had to make it cardboard. <laughs> I think South Park made that joke a long time ago. Well, I'm not up to date with South Park because I don't have cable. But... <laughs> Uh, my second thought is, is I think in terms of VR, um, Breath of the Wild, I think, has a better experience to offer than Mario Odyssey. Because um, I've, I've played both games. Breath of the Wild, when I bought my Switch, I was up until like four in the morning playing it when I had to be up at four in the morning the next Same, day. Same, but I had Oops. it on the Wii U. See, I, I had mine on the Switch. The Switch was actually the very first console I've ever bought myself. Growing up as a little poor girl from the hood. <laughs> um, and I love Breath of the Wild. And I still will go back and play it sometimes. Like if I just, like if I'm getting burnt out on farming in Stardew or if I'm not feeling, you know, playing Mario Party with the family or something like that. It's still a game that I very much like can just go back to and pick up where I left off. And it's like nothing changed. And it's great. So I think in terms of VR, Breath of the Wild will give you more of like that in-world experience. But, and there's the big old butt in the room, um, I'm scared for the quality of the experience at the same time. Because Nintendo is very ambitious in terms of how they are as a company, and I respect and I love Nintendo Senpai for it. But a lot of their ambition doesn't like pan out the way they want it to sometimes. And that's Case what makes point. me nervous. Motion controls! The Wii U. <laughs> the Wii U. And the Wii U gamepad. Like, Which was a brilliant idea. It really is. You can play yeah, your game what, on it without using the TV, which, guess what? Without the Wii U, I still say there would the be Switch. no Switch. Yeah, 100%. So you gotta, you gotta respect your elders, you know? But I do know there was some, like, frustrations. Like, my friend had it. I did not. Uh, where he was just like, I can't go take a shit and play my, on my, my Wii U because the connection's too far away. And that was the whole oh. reason he bought it. But I know other people Mirrors. didn't have that issue. Mirrors. 
if you can set up strategically, because I, I did this once, I was bored. I took from my game room to my guest bathroom at my home, which isn't a very far distance, but there's walls between them and they face opposite directions. And I set up, strategically set kind of some mirrors up that I could move around. And it worked. But let me tell you, it's not worth it. Well, no, and then like someone switch. can like walk in. <laughs> and then all of a sudden there's mirrors while you're taking a dump. And then there's more questions than answers at that point for whoever uh, walks in on you. <laughs> I mean, you just try to take a switch, yo. Mm-hmm. But what do you think the Mario Odyssey VR experience would be like? Because I can, I can imagine Breath of the Wild a lot better than I can Mario Odyssey. And I've played this to the point where I only need like 13 moons left in the game. Like, <laughs> so, for starters, I'll touch on my thoughts with the Breath of the Wild thing. Is the Breath of the Wild is a great idea for a VR game. I would love to play that game in VR. Not like this. <laughs> Not the, with the cardboard up against your face. <laughs> so the way you work at it here, I don't know if you if you open the link on it and look at it. The way it works, you slide it in, you hold the box with the Switch console up in the front of it to your face. And then you put your Joy-Cons on the side to play. Yeah, no, that's so uncomfortable. I would love to play Breath of the Wild in VR. If there is, if somebody listening to this or somebody out there knows how to get it to the computer to play in VR, let me know and I'll figure out a way to do it. But until yeah, let's then, get it on that Oculus though. Like until then, I wouldn't play it on this Mario Odyssey. I just see being motion sickness. Yeah, because it's a lot of it's a lot of colors. It's a lot of just like running, and then like you turn around really quick, and it's it's a lot smaller of a world. Running, jumping, perspective changes from 2D to 3D real quickly. 8-bit section. The whole mechanic of Cappy going and sucking into it. Yeah, that would be cool, though. Because I would like to feel what it's like to go into a frog. Like they did in the opening. Like, that'd be cool. But But I think from a first-person view going into the frog would be sickening. I don't really get motion sick, though, so that's not really an issue I think I would have to deal with. But I can, I can see where a lot of people that do have motion sickness issues or vertigo or epilepsy or anything like that, where they might not be able to enjoy it in the same way someone like me probably could. And that's, that's the key. I mean, it's not for everyone, and I know that there's more all over it for that reason. But honestly, it just seems really gimmicky. It's like Nintendo just saying, hey, VR's a thing. Let's... We can do VR, too. Here you go. Buy our thing. Give us $80. Give me $80. (laughs) For this cardboard, where, honestly, I think we'd probably be better off just, like, getting the origami (laughs) printout online, Mm. and then cutting our own cardboard, because I've got plenty, and I've got X-Acto knives. Same. Yeah, this is Nintendo's box of cardboard so you can put your game console in it and hope your kids don't drop it. Right. I, I will say, and this is kind of like... Now, also, the stretch. elephant idea looks cool. Yes, that does look pretty cool. But my thought with it, too, is um, like, back in, back in ye olden days of Nintendo, where they had like the cardboard trading cards, and that was like really where Nintendo started, was in like the trading and playing card business. It's interesting to see them go back to some type of 
paper to sell to people. I argue the fact that they've never stopped. Pokemon cards. Very true. Pokemon, biggest franchise ever. So hyped for Detective Pikachu. (laughs) No shame. Sword and Shield. We'll talk about that if it... We'll talk about that for an E3, though. Okay. That is... Yeah, Detective Pikachu looks good. That actually does look really good. Ryan Reynolds is going to be Pikachu, and I'm so happy because that's going to be great. Pikapool. I know, Pikapool. And, like, I've been I've been watching trailers on it. And, like, the Bulbasaurs, which are, like, one of my favorites of all time. I'm a, I'm a Bulba lover. And, like, they just look so, like, precious and cute and innocent. And I'm just like, I want all of you. Missed <laughs> opportunity. Danny DeVito. Missed opportunity with Danny DeVito for Pikachu. Very true. Very true. I forgot all about Danny DeVito. In fact, somewhere online there's a fan cut of the trailer of Danny DeVito with lines from It's Always Sunny as Pikachu. Yes, I do think I've seen that, and I think I cried. I was laughing. It was great. It's fantastic. And I just, I love Danny DeVito just in general. And he always offers me eggs in in trying times. Yes. Speaking of trying times. Yes. I do have I do have one other little little snippet I want to talk about today, and it's about getting good. Ooh. Yeah. Are we talking some controversy? Of course, you know me with my controversy. Oh man. <sighs> Let's talk about Sekiro. Heroes die, or shadows die twice. Not needing an easy mode. Controversy warning, controversy warning, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to call it a trigger warning, because this isn't a safe space. (laughs) No. No, it's not, nothing is safe. Especially for me, I'm kind of the worst. But... (laughs) I mean, no, but... Also not no? Get good. (laughs) Yes. So, this one is a bit of a mixed bag, and there are plenty of people that will argue, yes, Sekiro does need an easy mode, and then you've got the soul-born players, the purists, that are in the camp of absolutely not. And as a fan, I will go right out and say it, no, I don't think it needs an easy mode. And I am a huge fan of the Soulborn series. I am very, I, I need to play this game. But full disclosure as well, I suck at video games. <laughs> I'm a play devil's advocate here. Go right ahead. I'm going to take the opposite argument for you. Just for the, just for the sake of argument, I'm going to take the opposite side. My personal belief on this is get good, noob. Right. It's how I played video games as a kid. There was no option for easy mode half the time. You got hard mode after you beat a hard game. Look at Pac-Man where you just played forever and ever and ever. Donkey Kong speeds up screens as you keep going until it glitches out. That's how the arcades worked. As you got into console games, you play Mega Man. There was no easy mode. There still is no easy mode. The games have gotten easier, but Mega Man 1 was a tough game. No lie. But to play devil's advocate, I understand the argument. 
people today would like an easier mode because it's more of the substance of the story over the challenge of the game. And at least over the last 10 years, easy modes have been standard in some games, at least not an easy mode, an easier mode, like a normal. <laughs> now, granted, for this game, you're, you are starting on normal. <laughs> right. Because when you beat it, you unlock New Game Plus. And New Game Plus is... Hard, hard. mode. That's it's like Ninja Gaiden. You beat Ninja Gaiden, then you unlock hard mode. And Ninja Gaiden, I argue, is almost just as tough as a Dark Souls game, or Bloodborne is. But the argument I'm... I've kind of gone away from my own original thought here of playing Devil's Advocate, and just to start I was gonna say. saying that, but... Other side of the argument is, yes, an easy mode would make more sense for a lot of people to be more brad broadly interested in the game. Um, and you would, here's... You, you would get people more into the story for sales. You would get more of a casual playthrough the first time, or people maybe who have never played a, a Soulsborne game before picks this one up. And from what I've heard, because I haven't played it either, but from what I've heard, it's already harder than the Soulsborne games have been before <laughs> it. So I could understand putting in maybe an easy mode, and maybe on this, the easy mode being Dark Souls 1 difficulty. Because that's where most people who were playing this game started, let's be honest. If you're really into these games, you've been playing since even before Dark Souls. Even right. playing since Demon Souls. So, here's here's my here's my counter argument to your Devil's Advocate, is that when the like the game designers have obviously you know put a lot of thought into the experience they want their player to have. So for a game like this to come out and just be like, hey, no, you need to. You need to learn, you need to adapt. I think it plays into the story that they're also trying to tell from my from what my understanding of the narrative of the game is. Because I have looked into the game a little bit more. One, just because like I know I'm not gonna be any good at it when I do play it. Because like I said, I suck at video games and I know going into it that I'm gonna have a really rough time. But when I get past those certain those certain points, it's gonna be that much more satisfying. I'm going to feel a deeper connection with the character. I'm going to feel like I'm learning like skill sets just the same way like player is learning different skill sets and utilizing them and all that stuff. And I think overall it makes that story that this game specifically is talking about more impactful versus like an easy mode where it's like, yeah, you get more the, the backstory and the lore, but you're not getting the experience side of the story that the game developers want you to get but if these people aren't good enough to get that good you're excluding them from the possibility of enjoying a good story that's, that's when you my... go onto youtube and you watch the video game playthroughs of people that are you know better than you are while you, really you and i are of a generation that is okay doing that there's still people who don't like watching let's plays even of our own age that want to play this game and i can name a, a couple of people that don't watch let's plays of games they're not ones having issues with 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 Sigaro, but you know people don't always want to watch a let's play to see how a game is if they like it maybe they want you know that experience for themselves and they the ability to 
be that good for some reason. Maybe not just because they suck at games, but there's actually some physical reason they can't be that good. An easier mode would be good for them, but maybe not for everybody, no. Right. Then you get into the semantics of the issue, too. Yes, I mean, that is true. And, like, we we can go into, like, how video games can't be accessible to everybody anyway. That's a whole other can of worms I really don't want to open this evening. Speaking of, though, kudos to Microsoft for re-releasing the Wii. Yes, hats off to Microsoft. Hats off to Microsoft for that because it's actually being reintroduced for adaptive gameplay for those being disabled, as well as some of their other controller designs. Kudos Microsoft for being that company that is including everybody in the gaming in one way or another, other than PC manufacturers. Thank you for taking that up for the consoles. Yes, and they're also on the cheaper side too. So, like price point wise, I think it's also fair too. Because when you when you start getting into the, di- the disabled world, it gets expensive quick. So, for them to not have a price point to that of like what a decent gaming PC could cost, and for it to be more economical, I think it's awesome. It is. I mean, and let's be honest: the Xbox One, the One X, the high end one. It is a pretty powerful little piece of hardware for what it does. And just then having that door open for more people to play games and be able to experience them is awesome. Yes, because the more the merrier. Beauty of the gaming industry. So all walks yeah. of life can play video games. Exactly. So I and guess if you want to play a game like Sekiro, just get good. <laughs> just get real good. I mean that's all you gotta do. Mm-hmm. So, really, the one there's only one more thing I'd like to talk about. Okay, one more thing. I want to wax nostalgic for a moment and take you back in time to when I was a wee grasshopper. Oh no, this was a long time ago then. <laughs> it, well... I was probably maybe I was about three or four when this when, when I received a birthday present that changed my life. Oh, I, I know where it. this is going. I have a little handheld console. It was heavy, gray. The battery powered. S- the screen looked like pea soup. Had a switch at the top. Took four double A or four. Yeah, it took four double A's. It was a beast. Heavy. We're talking about what it was and what it actually ended up doing in the end was amazing. I received a Game Boy. The first game I got for it was I had Super Mario Land. Oh, wow. That is an old game. But the reason I say that and bring it up is just this past week on Easter Sunday, Game Boy turned 30. So we have both the Dragon Ball and Game Boy turning 30 here. Now, both of these have affected me personally on different levels over the years. You know, both both subjects have. Dragon Ball is a love of mine. I collect. I have figures. I watch the movies, the anime. I bring my friends into it and, and introduce it to them. The Game Boy means something completely different to me for many reasons. What you got? 
The first one is it enabled me to have something to play games on that was my own, wherever I went. You weren't sharing? It wasn't even that I wasn't sharing. Um, growing up, splitting time between two different households. One household, I had my own console. Didn't have to worry about it. The other one, it was my dad's console. Um, I had to ask to play on it. But my Game Boy, I never had to ask permission. I could just sit there and play. And that little Game Boy did changed a lot for me. It made me into a gamer. More so than any console did. More so than a Super Nintendo or an N64 did growing up. The Game Boy, the Game Boy Color, the Game Boy Advance. You know, the the games Boy I played Advance. on those. That's where changed. I started. Yeah, the, the games I played on those just stand out over the years. From games like Mario Land and Wario Land to... You know, games that I played, like Golden Sun on the Game Boy Advance. Um, I played Yoshi's World. That was one of the ones that I had. Oracle of Ages and Oracle Seasons on the Game Boy Color. Um, Big games. The re-releases they did on the Game Boy Advance of Link to the Past, of Mario 3, Mario World, Mario 2, Yoshi's Island. Um, But the biggest games, of course, on the Game Boy that had an impact on me as a kid and Made me a lot of who I am. Pokemon. Was not necessarily Pokemon. Pokemon being an <gasps> RPG had a big influence on me because I love RPGs. But the single most RPG. game that I can look back on from the Game Boy that had the biggest, biggest impact on me as a kid was Tetris. What? Tetris, of all the games. Tetris really did spark what my love of gaming was on the Game Boy. It wasn't even my first game on it. It was my grandfather. His Game Boy. Yes, my grandfather had a Game Boy. Grandfather's an OG. <laughs> and he had Tetris, and I'd play it. And playing Tetris over, over the years and still to this day now with Tetris 99, it's one of those games that I just... makes me just smile. And... That's what a game you, should be. Until you rage because, you know, you're looking for that long piece and you've been looking for that long piece and that long piece doesn't show up. And then, like, like you're, like, close. Know, modern Tetris mechanics are weird because you can swap out pieces at will and save a long piece for when you need a long piece, which has really changed my game going forward. That's a lot. <laughs> that's not Tetris. But with classic Tetris, it introduced me into playing other puzzle-type games, which led to my love of RPGs, because I started playing Dr. Mario after Tetris. Um, From Dr. Mario, I started playing more Mario games in general. So I played, you know, Mario World on the game, on the um, Super Nintendo. And when I had my Super Nintendo, I'd play that, and I'd play Mario All-Stars, and play all the Mario games and figure out the puzzles in them, and how to get through a level because of Tetris, it led me down that path. That's, that's interesting. And if it wasn't... Tetris would have the, been that gateway drug for you. And if it wasn't for the plucky little handheld that could, that outsold the competition that was more powerful than it in the Game Gear and the Neo Geo Pocket in, over the link, when it came out with the Game Boy Advance still outselling other consoles when it moved into the, when unfortunately Nintendo has abandoned the Game Boy name for the for well the now ill-fated DS line that has yes, now 
its demise as well as of this week. Rest in peace, 3DS. You were a legend in your own right. All because of the Switch. I mean, the Switch grants, you know, Nintendo granteth, Nintendo taketh away, I suppose. Here's hoping we get some Game Boy games on the Switch soon, yo. <laughs> Be a great way to celebrate this little console. Alright, turning 30 and, you know, maybe you can, and not Tetris 99, but maybe you can get some old school Tetris. See if your uh, skills are still sharp enough without having to cheat and swap out pieces. <laughs> I mean, I that's, I've that's got... how you can tell I haven't played Tetris in a really long time. Is Tetris 99 is weird. There is no solo mode, so you can't even practice. You just have to play. Oh, I, I don't, I don't like that. There's I might no download a Tetris app on my phone just so I can uh, rush up my yes. skills because I haven't played it in a hot minute. Yeah, unfortunately, Tetris 99 does not have an easy mode. You do have to uh, get good. <laughs> oh, wait, I need an easy mode for Tetris, though. Tetris is different. <laughs> no, you can't have it for Sekiro. You can't have it. <laughs> can't just be a pain in the butt. You only want it for what I think is worthy of an easy mode. That's how the world works, right? I mean, I guess. What about you? you have any Game Boy memories? I had a Game Boy Advance. And I had Super Mario 3? I believe. Is 3 the one where they had the... Where it looked like it was a stage production? Yes. Yes, that is the one that I had. So I would play Super Mario 3, and then at Yoshi's Island. And my brother played all the Pokemon. I did not. Um, and I remember mine was the maroon color for the Game Boy Advance. I had a white one. And my brother's And was I never had an SP. So, and I had that for a really long time. Um... And, like, I would take it to and from cheer practice. <laughs> well. Yeah, I, I was a weird cheerleader. Um, and to this day, it still shocks people when they're like, there's no. That's one of those, like, fun Nancy facts. That, like, just make people uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm kind of uncomfortable now. That's okay. You're one of those. I guess you're a prom queen, too. Uh, no, I was too fat to be prom queen. <laughs> I was like, and I also hopped around schools too much, but that's a whole other issue. But no, I, I was a cheerleader for a really long time. But like, I still, I had a very deep love of video games. My dad uh, had a Nintendo 64. And that was like really the first thing I remember playing because I was a child. And I mean, I was like three or four, maybe. When he got one for us to play, and I remember like playing Mario Kart with him, playing Super Mario 64, and Glover was probably one of my all-time favorites. Until one day my mom came home from work and decided that she had enough of us playing the 64 and threw it out into the street and a car ran it over. So. <laughs> a car ran shit. it over. A car ran it over. It was like. Seven o'clock in the morning. She had just gotten home from work. And it was chaotic. And gotcha. 
my dad was upset. But yeah, I, I do remember having like the advanced poly SP then. Yeah, I never had an SP. I had the original one. Um, just that elongated on the side Game Boy Advance. I always wanted the SP. A friend of mine across the street had the SP and all the classic NES games they released with it because he had that, that style of it. But those old Nintendo yeah. consoles could take a beating too. They were very tough. So it was, I mean, it, it was in my cheer bag. It would get like thrown around. I think it got washed once. And it still worked white as rain. Like there was nothing, nothing you couldn't do to it. It was fantastic. Yeah. Meanwhile, modern electronics, you put it in the you put them in the washer just once and they don't work. It's so sad. Yeah, how am I supposed to clean my stuff? Right. I mean, <laughs> my phone gets dirty during the gaze, guys. I need I need to wash it. Yeah, but, soap and water. Well I don't have anything else to talk about. Me either. I think we can I think we can call it with a uh PSA of, don't put your electronics in the water. <laughs> yeah, on, on that, I think that's a good one. Yeah, public service announcement from our um, untitled show here. Don't, don't wash your phones, ladies and gentlemen. Don't, don't wash your phones. Keep your switches out of the shower. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah. <laughs> I got nothing else. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't wash your phones. Don't shower with your switches. And for the love of God, don't give your TVs a drink. <laughs> Bye guys. <laughs>